Today, we officially unveil our Mariners off-season plan to the general public. What would we do this winter if we were in Jerry Depoto and Justin Hollander's shoes? Tell you coming up here on the Locked On Mariners podcast. Colby, hit it. You are Locked On Mariners, your daily Seattle Mariners podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ahoy, sailors. It is Thursday, November 16th, 2023. This is Tiny Gonzalez and Colby Patnode for the Lockdown Mariners podcast brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. It's a fanduel.com slash locked on. That's L O C K D O N to get yourself started. Thank you so much for making us your first listen. Subscribe, like, and turn on alerts if you're watching on YouTube or subscribe and leave a five-star review on your preferred podcast platform if you like what you hear. And if you're part of the crew and rock with us every single day, let us know in the comments below. We'd love to hear from you. And if you want to hear from us even more, please consider signing up for our Patreon. You can now get a free seven-day trial to check out the show. The link, as well as our social accounts, is in the description of this episode and on the show today we'll be unveiling our mariners off-season plan if you're subscribed to our patreon you've already had access to this for about the last 10 or so days uh before we get into it colby can you give our listener here a general overview of what the off-season plan is sure uh we do whatever we want and if you don't like it you're stupid Mm -hmm. so that's pretty much better than you yes we are smarter we are more talented Right. And we have the correct take on French fries. Apparently, thanks for answering that question, guys. We got a lot of responses to that question. You did get a lot of responses. Yeah. So people Silly very me. passionate I did, about I their did, fries. I totally like shout out to the people that mentioned Arby's curly fries and Jack in the Box curly mm-hmm. fries. I completely missed that. Uh, yeah. That's that's a great answer. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. So, uh, yeah, the offseason plan. Pretty simple. Uh, Ty and I do this every single year over on our Patreon show. We spend a couple weeks of shows. Uh over there just working through the plan and, and all that stuff. The process is pretty simple. Ty and I each create our own individual off-season plans. Uh, we present them to each other. We pretty much always throw those completely out the window and maybe take one or two things from one of our plans, but very rarely. And then we just come up with a whole new plan from scratch. I don't even know why we need to do the the individual plans, but uh, yeah, typically because we have content, a, Colby. Content. Sure. Typically, we have a pretty strict budget. Uh, this year, we didn't. Uh, it's just it's just about not going crazy, right? Like, the Mariners aren't going to sign Shohei Otani and Cody Bellinger, right? So even though we would like them to, they're not going to. We have to work in some realm of reality. Uh, so yeah, you know, Ty and I are, are guessing on pr- prices. Um, we're guess- both trade and free agent. Um, you know, I think we're, we're going to be in the ballpark, at least AAV-wise, on everybody. Uh, and I do think we're at least in the ballpark on trade cost on just about everybody. Uh, but again, we don't know, we don't have inside info. It's not like we know that other teams would make this trade or that these free agents would take this money. This is just, you know, roughly what we would do. And, you know, if you come at us with like, well, would you do it if you had to do this? Then like we could adjust on that. Like this isn't the most we're willing to do. This isn't anything like that. It's just a reasonable plan with reasonable estimates on prices and we just try to make the ball club better and uh you know and we see what it looks like at the end and after two weeks of debating we just usually get to the last day and we're like fine we're just doing this and whatever if the money's off the money's off but uh, i do think the aavs are about right i think the trade uh the trade 
cost for all the players is at least in the ballpark of what it would take. So, uh, yeah, I, you know, it's, it's, a, would say, I'd say Ty and I probably spent, I don't know, 15 hours on this thing between the shows and, and the prep and, and all that stuff, writing it. Uh, so yeah, it, it's, it's not a, uh, it's not something that we do, you know, quickly and, and without much thought. So, uh, just keep that in mind. Also, if you are uh, listening on podcast platforms, this actually might be a better episode for you to watch on YouTube. It might be a little bit hard to, to follow if you're just listening to audio. Uh, we're going to have uh, graphics coming up here on the screen that um, kind of lay everything out pretty easily. Uh, so if you're just listening on a podcast platform, but you have access to YouTube, I suggest heading over to YouTube. Check us out on Locked On Mariners. Hit the subscribe button while you're at it as well. All right, so let's get into our off-season plan. Um, let's just get this out of the way. We're signing Tom Murphy. One year, $5 million. Murphy, when he's healthy, has been one of the best offensive catchers in all of baseball. Uh, he's obviously a, a big part of that clubhouse in Seattle or has been a big part of the clubhouse in Seattle. He's one of the leaders. Uh, we want him back. So, uh, and I think the Mariners do as well. I mean, Jerry Depoto has pretty much said as much. So, uh, one year, $5 million. Um, there's definitely, you know, a, a cap on that. There's definitely a limit to how far we would go, um, on a deal for Murphy because of his extensive injury history and all that. Uh, and obviously he's, he's struggled defensively as of late, particularly in the run game. Uh, but, uh, I, I think that's a, that's a deal that's, uh, should be pretty realistic, should be pretty much right there in the ballpark. And, uh, Something that I think the the Mariners would be uh, more than willing to do here to bring Murphy back. Um, any thoughts on the on the Murphy deal, Colby? No, you know, um, this was in our plan before the acquisition of Blake Hunt, uh, but obviously we still did work around that. We mm -hmm. just incorporated that knowledge into our into our plan. Uh, so maybe the Seattle doesn't feel like they have to go this aggressive on on Murphy, but I do think he's the best fit. Uh, it's just. Man, if you could find a way to get Tom Murphy for 60 games a year, it would be so much better uh, because then, you know, whenever Murphy does go on the I.L., you have, in theory, a legitimate backup or at least one who's better uh, than Brian O'Keefe and Luis Torrens. Uh, so, yeah, uh, five million dollars. Maybe it's a bit much uh, now that they've acquired Blake Hunt, but I think that's about what you have to pay a really good backup catcher. And that, that's what Murphy is. So if you can get him for less. Yeah. Great. Uh, yeah. If you have to pay more than five million bucks, we're talking six, seven million. I'm out. You know, if you have to guarantee a second year, I'm probably out. But I think at one and five, that's about the most I'm willing to to go for for Tom. All right. So our first of two outside free agent additions that we're going to be making in this plan is Robert Stevenson, right-handed reliever uh, who was most recently with the Tampa Bay Rays. We're signing him to a two-year, sixteen million dollar deal with a 2026 club option for nine million dollars and stevenson is someone that you brought to my attention colby and the underlying numbers are really 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 fascinating uh tell us more uh, about stevenson and, and why we landed on him yeah so uh we wanted to add another high leverage bullpen arm yeah. uh we're just we're not ever going to be interested in in paying like a josh hater 90 million dollars to come pitch for you that's some stupid stuff that like the texas rangers do that the san diego padres would do like it's you're just not going to get that value back uh so how do you get a high leverage guy without paying you know ridiculous prices you, you go to robert stevenson and stevenson's a guy who might make 10 million dollars a year this year um it's totally possible but 
I'd be willing to go to 10 if I had to. Like the guy is really good. It's fastball cutter, uh, actually a decent splitter too, but the cutter is is really the the big pitch here. 60% whiff rate on that cutter. So uh for you know comparison sakes, Matt Brash's whiff rate on his best pitch, the slider, I think was at 48%, somewhere in that range. Uh, so pretty significant difference there. Uh, Stevenson gives you a legitimate, uh, one, two, three in the back end of the bullpen that pretty much no team in baseball is going to be able to match. Um, you know, assuming that brash is just what he was this year and and Munoz can take, you know, get back to 2022 levels. Uh, then all, all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're pushing Topa and, and, uh, Saucedo and, and, you know, all those guys who pitched in the eighth inning this last year, you're pushing them down to the sixth, seventh inning. Uh, where they're better fits. So, uh, yeah, Stevenson, big time whiff rate, uh, probably at least two plus pitches, maybe three. Um, and this last year, he struck out a ton of guys, threw a lot of strikes, which has been an issue for him in the past. Uh, but he is legitimate, uh, he's a legitimate stuff, uh, guy, and he's learned how to throw strikes. And, and, you know, the, the contract we gave him is based off of, what Pierce Johnson got from the Braves, what Joe Jimenez got for the, from the Braves to sign back there. Um, and I've heard other people have him in their plan and this is roughly the number that they've given. It's two or three years. It's eight to $10 million, somewhere in that range. Uh, typically not a move Seattle makes, but I would like them to make a move like this um, mm-hmm. because the rest of their bullpen is making like $5 million combined. So why not go out, splurge a little bit, and shorten those games? Uh, particularly since it's going to be really hard to find bats uh, this this winter. Your better, your best bet is to try and win more one run games than it is to try and completely rebuild the offense in one off season and in an off season where there's not a ton of bats really available. All right, so we're off to a nice start, but you guys have not seen anything just yet. We got some big trades coming up in just a moment. But first, a reminder: this episode of the Locked On Mariners podcast is brought to you by FanDuel. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use, and there's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and a whole lot more. And yeah, the Mariners might not be playing right now, but the Kraken and Seahawks are. So whether the action is on turf or on the ice, you can bet on it all with FanDuel. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, and kick off the NFL season. Again, that's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. And you're listening to the Locked On Mariners podcast. Thank you again for making us your first listen as we officially unveil our 2023-24 Mariners offseason plan to the general public. And as a reminder, Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 
All right. So we have added a backup catcher and bringing back Tom Murphy. We have shored up the back end of our bullpen by adding another high leverage arm and Robert Stevenson. Now we're going to go to the trade market and we got some big trades on the way, but we're going to start with more of a small one here. We're going to trade for Seth Brown, first baseman slash outfielder from the Oakland A's, who we've talked about quite a bit whenever we've talked about trades in the past. Uh, We're trading the A's Marcelo Perez, but uh, there's a non-zero chance that the A's might just non-tender Brown by the uh, non-tender deadline tomorrow. So you might not even have to trade for him, but for the sake of the exercise here, we're trading for Brown. Um, Again, like I said, we've talked about Brown quite a bit you guys if you've been listening to the show for a while you're, you're probably familiar with how much we like seth brown uh, and like the upside of seth brown especially after his uh really really good uh, second half of 2022 but uh he's coming off of a down year colby what do you think about brown and how does he fit for us yeah so uh brown's a left-handed hitter left-handed throw uh double left uh you know he can play the corner outfield spots okay probably you know, roughly as good as Teoscar, maybe a little bit better. Also has a lot of experience at first base. It's it's the power you're interested in. Um, essentially, Seth Brown is like athletic or more athletic, Mike Ford, um, who, you know, again, because he can actually play in the outfield a little bit, does carry more value uh, than Mike Ford. Also has a longer track record of, you know, success at the big league level. Uh, so yeah, mostly the idea with Seth Brown here is that play a little left, play a little right, play some first DH some he's going to hit almost exclusively against right-handed uh, pitching. Uh, the pole power is going to play really well at T-Mobile park. Uh, and that, that's pretty much the idea. He's a bench guy, right? He's a guy who, you know, again, maybe gets two, three starts a week, uh, depending on what the rest of your guys do, um, and how you, you know, need to work them in. But if Ty France, you know, stumbles again, you have Seth Brown, a first baseman, and at the very least, you have a plausible platoon at first base with Brown hitting against righties and France hitting against lefties. Um, you know, again, ideally, everybody plays well, and Brown is the guy who gets, you know, 300, 350 plate appearances by playing three times a week, uh, just, you know, to give guys rest and play matchup. But uh, if you do need him at first base, he can do that. He has had, you know, an extended period of success at the big league level. He has handled right handed pitching for pretty much his entire career. Um, you know, he doesn't, it's not that he doesn't strike out, but again, you're going from 30% strikeout rates to 26% strikeout rates. Like that's a pretty big difference. Brown draws walks. Um, he's an interesting player. I I think he fits really well on the Mariners bench. Uh, and he provides that left-handed pop, uh, that you're kind of losing with, uh, with Ford, but he also brings some defensive versatility and a much better shot to be an everyday player if you need him to be. Yep. Yep. That's, um, you know, again, we wanted to add a hedge for Ty France on the bench. We wanted to add more left-handed pop. This was the last move yeah. that we made uh, in the off-season plan. We were kind of looking for that left-handed corner outfield first base type. Uh, and there weren't a ton of options, but we just kind of went deep into our bag here and, and went back to Seth Brown, who, again, coming off of a down year, but someone that we like, we like the upside of. And, um, you know, if it doesn't work out, you're not really paying much for him anyway. So it's, it's, it's a pretty low, uh, low risk and potentially high ish reward here with some medium high. Sure. Yeah. Um, I I would say this, uh, based on recent events, the inclusion of, um, the inclusion of Zach Deloach on the 40 man, 
uh, the other day. This could be a pretty simple swap of Taylor Trammell or sure. Cade Marlowe or Zach Deloach for Seth Brown. Uh, mm-hmm. Basically, you know, the A's trade a more expensive version of those guys. Uh, the Mariners get somebody who's more ready to help them now. Uh, I would say Trammell probably makes the most sense. But yeah, it's not. It's going to cost you a fringy top thirty prospect uh, if they even tender him a contract. Which again, they might not. So Brown is cheap. We're not taking away resources that we could spend elsewhere to acquire yep. Seth Brown to be on the bench. So don't worry, those moves are coming. All right, next trade here. This is a pretty big one. Traded for Jake Cronenworth. You guys know we love Jake Cronenworth around here. We wanted him back when the uh, when the Rays before the Rays traded him to uh, to the Padres, and uh, you know he ended up becoming a four win player for the Padres back to back seasons. Obviously coming off of a down year as well, uh, but we we believe that he's more the uh, the four win player that he was in back to back seasons before this year than the guy that he was this year. And uh, we're trading a, a decent size package to San Diego for him as well. Gabby Gonzalez, Jonathan Classe, and Jose Caballero. Love Cabby, but uh, I think he makes some sense here for the uh, for the Padres. And uh, I think it's a, a decent uh, prospect package that still values the uh, the upside of Cronenworth, but also accounts for, you know, the down year that he's coming off of. And the fact that, you know, you're going to have to pay him a little bit of money here. He He just recently signed a contract extension it's for seven years 80 million dollars that kicks in this year so uh you have him under club control for for quite some time but again fairly expensive especially relative to his struggles uh this past year but uh, a second baseman um that uh we think can be part of this thing you know long term and we'll just be real about it. We weren't super comfortable with rolling with uh, Josh Rojas as our second baseman. Again, uh, we prefer, and we've talked about this in the past, just kind of talking about the team in general, heading into this offseason, that we'd prefer Rojas to be more of the primary utility infielder on this team. And uh, Rojas is part of our roster, just, you know, spoilers, I guess. Uh, but that's kind of the role that he's fulfilling for us. Uh, and that doesn't mean that he's not going to get used a lot. He's still going to get 400 plus plate appearances. But I think that's a better role uh, for him. And uh, Cronenworth is someone that can play second. He can also, you know, like Brown, serve as a little bit of a hedge for Ty France. He can DH some. Uh, and it's a, it's a good lefty stroke that plays well in, in T-Mobile Park. Uh, what do mm-hmm. you think about Cronenworth, Colby? Yeah, no, I mean, you, you basically said also he can play shortstop. He can play third. He's a very good athlete. Uh, he's wasted in San Diego who had him playing mostly first base. Um, because of Hassan Kim and, and Xander Bogarts and Manny Machado. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're going to put a guy where you can. Uh, so yeah, you know, last year, I think it was a 92 WRC plus. I know that's not sexy or anything like that, but I'm pretty sure the Mariners second baseman as a whole last year ran a 70 WRC plus. So even if it's, he's just a 92 WRC plus guy with the defense that you didn't get from second base most of last year. It's still a 20% upgrade at that spot. And I think there's more there. I wouldn't be shocked at all if you got back to the 110 uh, range. WRC plus, which would be a 40% upgrade. You're going to upgrade defensively. He's a very good second baseman. Uh, he covers, again, it's another cover for Ty France. It's another cover for Josh Rojas. It's another cover for A. Eugenio Suarez. And it's actually a cover for J.P. Crawford in case he gets hurt too. So uh, checks a lot of boxes. Again, line drive swing left side. It does have some pop. It's not no pop, but it's not a ton. Uh, but he does have a season under his belt with 20 home run, or 20 home run pacing. Uh, and he has slugged 450, I believe is a career high. So there is some legitimate pop here. Um, I like the player and I think there's a 
very strong chance he's at least a two and a half win player next year. But obviously he had two years in a row where he was a four win player. And in 2020, the shortened year, he was on pace to be a four and a half win player. So uh, pretty consistent uh, contributor here, just coming off of one down year uh, on a dumpster fire of an organization. I'm willing to bet on uh, on Cronenworth. And if all it's going to cost me is, is Gabriel Gonzalez, who is a solid prospect, but he's probably just an everyday player. It's not really an all-star upside. And, you know, Jonathan Classe, who is, who knows, like that guy, that guy's not even a big leaguer right now. Like he's not even a, a, a safe bet to be in the big leagues with any regularity. So, uh, you know, lottery ticket shot for the Padres and, and a player with a reasonably high floor uh, and a decent ceiling as well to get six, seven years of Cronenworth on a very reasonable contract that you can easily absorb and or move if you have to down the road. Yep. Yeah, I, I like that uh, that deal quite a bit. All right, so our big trade. This is the this is the big 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 trade right here, folks. And this probably does not come as a surprise to a lot of you because we've talked about him a lot. Randy Orozarena, you are a Seattle Mariner. We have a big trade here with the Tampa Bay Rays. Mariners are getting Randy Orozarena. They're also getting outfielder slash first baseman slash DH Harold Ramirez, and of course Austin Shenton. We had to put Austin Shenton in our plan. We just we're we're legally obligated to to do it. Uh, that's just it's our brand. Always is right? uh, specifically Col- Colby's brand. Um, we have the Rays getting Bryce Miller. Yeah, that's right. We're we're trading Bryce Miller to the Tampa Bay Rays. We're also trading the Vanilla Missile Walter Ford and Aiden Smith Mariners fourth round draft pick in this year's uh, draft. So let's just get this out of the way real quick. Randy Rosarena is not a star in the true sense of the term. Contrary to what the narrative has been around him for pretty much his entire career since he broke out onto the scene during the 2020 playoffs. Very good player, not a star. He hasn't even eclipsed four F4 in a single season in his career. Some of that is because he's not a good defender out in a corner outfield spot, but he's been one of the most consistent hitters in all of baseball. Pretty much been right in line with a 125 WRC plus for each of the last three years. Uh, He'll still you quite a few bags. Uh, high energy guy who would play off of guys like JP and Julio very well. He's the perfect fit for the idea that the Mariners had with Teoscar Hernandez, which is to give Julio essentially a, a Robin to Julio's Batman, right? Which you know one could argue that's also JP, but nevertheless. So that's generally the idea here with Randy. But again, he's not a star, which is why. I don't think that three years of him, especially considering that he doesn't play a super valuable position, is enough for Bryce Miller alone. So that's why there's the inclusion of Harold Ramirez here as well. And Ramirez obviously has his own flaws or rather limitations to his value because he's, look, you can have him stand out in a corner outfield spot. He's not particularly good out there. He could maybe play some first base a little bit. But he's basically a full-time DH who doesn't hit for a lot of over-the-wall power. He finished in the first percentile in chase rate, which you literally cannot be worse than that. 43.7% chase rate this past year. He doesn't hit the ball hard, but the results are the results. He flat-out hits, and he's crushed lefties, like destroyed lefties. 
173 WRC plus against lefties this past year and a 110 WRC plus against righties as well. Uh, it's more doubles power than home runs. Like I said, I mean, there, there is some home run power there, but he'll probably give you eight to 13 home runs a season rather than 15, 20, 25, etc. But really good hitter who does put the ball in play a lot and gets on base a lot. So there's, there's value there in that. And I think he's a really good fit for kind of what the Mariners are looking for, what Jerry DePoto described at the GM meetings in terms of a right-handed bat who doesn't strike out much. Uh, so, you know, we're giving up Miller. We're giving up six years of Miller. And we're throwing in a couple of interesting prospects. Uh, and, of course, we get Austin Shitton, who gives us uh, some more depth up the middle, can also play some first base. So he's a little bit of a hedge for, for Ty France, just like Cronenworth, just like Seth Brown, just like Harold Ramirez a little bit. So this was a deal that Colby tasked me with, with creating. I really want a Randy in this plan. Uh, I put together initially some three-team deals. I put one together with the Cardinals where the Rays were getting uh, Tommy Edmond back and uh, the Cardinals were getting Bryce Miller. Uh, I did a deal with the Orioles and and a couple other teams. And we decided, you know what, let's just cut out the middle, man. The Rays need pitching. Shane McClanahan's supposed to miss the entire year. Jeffrey Springs is expected to miss at least half the year. Same with Drew Rasmussen. Miller is affordable, he's controlled for the next six years, and he's already flashed middle-of-the-rotation stuff with pretty much just fastball, really good fastball, but just a fastball. So there's a lot of room there for him to grow, and I would think that the Rays find that very exciting. And also, as I've said over the last few weeks, Miller is one of a very few players who are realistically available this winter who represent the most valuable commodity in the entire sport of baseball. And that's quality, club-controlled, affordable starting pitching. I really like this deal. Uh, so, Colby, what do, what do you think about it, and uh, how, do you, how do you think it all fits for us? It's a bit of a risky move for Seattle, but uh, you know it's about 2024, it's about 2025, and I have very little doubt that they get better in those years by making this trade. So. Um, it's a bummer, but now we do have to replace Bryce Miller. Yep. So the way that we're doing that is a little bit unexpected, I think for, for most people, I don't think most people are going to even know who this is when we bring him up, but that's Shota Imanaga. No, it's not Yoshinobu Yamamoto. It's not the big pitcher coming out of Japan, but uh really solid pitcher in Imanaga coming over from Japan. We we have him at three years, $45 million. But if you are watching on YouTube, you might see underneath the the number there that it says in parentheses that likely needs to be increased. We've heard some things that seem to indicate that it might be more in the uh five year eighty ish million dollar range, which um we're fine with, I think. Right, Colby? Like we're fine with that overall. Um if that's what it takes. If the AAV stays around 15 million, give or take a, a million or two, yeah, yeah. Uh, then yeah, four years is fine. Five years, you don't love it, don't hate it. Um, right. But yeah, it sounds like there's a, a decent shot, believe it or not, that Imanaga might even be able to stretch uh, to 100 million. That seems like it's uh, it's not likely because it's actually a pretty good uh, free agent class for for you know mid rotation starters. Uh, there is certainly a breaking point, but for me, if it stays around the the 
five and 75, five and 80, somewhere in that range, I'm still interested. The closer we get to a hundred million, the closer we get to 20 AAV, I get less and less interested because there are mm. other options out there um, right. who actually offer some relative safety uh, because they've done it at the big league level before. But I like Imanaga. I like his stuff. I like that he's a lefty. Uh, which is nice to throw in the middle of this rotation. I like that he doesn't walk guys. I like that he knows how to pitch. He understands how to pitch, and he's been relatively durable uh, over in Japan, over 155 innings, I think three, four, five, uh, five years in a row, I think is what the number's up to. Mm. You can count on him. Uh, again, 30 years old, knows how to pitch, had success in international competition as well. Uh, I like the guy, but if we're talking five and 90, I might pivot to somebody like Michael Waka. Uh, right. But, I prefer Imanaga. I, I do think he is an underrated uh, arm. I think he's a really safe bet to be a number four and has a real good shot to be a number three just from you know his slightly above average stuff and his uh, plus command and control. Uh, not quite George Kirby level command and control, but you know who who does who has that that level right. besides George. So uh, I, I like the upside here. Um, yeah, the money again. This is tough because it's an international market. We don't know. Uh, what what the final number is going to be, but I think right. as long as it's in the fifteen to seventeen million AAV, I'd go max of five years. I'm not going six. I prefer to go four. But uh, yeah. yeah, there again, if if you don't like that, pick a mid rotation starter. Right? You want to give Michael Walker two and and thirty five or whatever. Fine. Like you could talk me into that. Um, yeah, but I, I like Imanaga. I think he's the best blend of stuff and uh, stuff control, upside safety. Uh, he's just a, a nice solid pitcher and I think he'd be a, a really good fit in Seattle. Agreed. All right. So before we break down the roster, cause that's, that's the heavy lifting there. That's pretty much the plan right there. Uh, we offered some minor league deals to a few guys and, and I say offered because who knows, you know, if they'll, if they'll want to actually come on a minor league deal, maybe they get a major league deal elsewhere. Who knows? Uh, yeah. but we would offer major or minor league contracts to these players. Uh, we just did four guys. Sometimes we get out of hand with it. Like in years past, we've offered minor league deals to like 10 dudes uh, or even more maybe. Uh, but we're going to offer a deal to to lefty Eric Lauer, who was most recently with the Brewers. Uh, try and add some uh, starting pitching depth there. Uh, Joey Wendell, utility player, most recently with Marlins. We've liked Wendell over the last couple of years. I think he was in one of our previous offseason plans. Uh, Brad Miller. We want to bring Brad Miller back. See if uh, there's anything left in the tank there. And uh, Kesson Hira, uh, who uh, we like, uh, former highly regarded prospect. Other guys, Jose Arena, you know, uh, just pick. Like, if you look at a guy, you get, hey, would that guy make sense on a minor league deal? The answer is yes. Yeah. Yeah. Always. The answer is yes. As long as there's nothing off the field that's problematic, the answer is always yes. Agreed. Agreed. All right. So let's get into this roster. So here are our lineups. JP leading off still. Got Julio hitting second. Randy Rosarena hitting third and, and playing left field. Uh, Cal Raleigh hitting fourth. Uh, Harold Ramirez hitting fifth. Jake Cronenworth hitting sixth. Eugenio Suarez hitting seventh. Ty France hitting eighth. And Jared Kelnick hitting ninth and playing right field. And, and uh, optimally speaking, we want Jared playing right. Jared's a very good right fielder. Uh, and he's yep. significantly a you know, a significantly better fielder than, uh, than Randy is. So I think that's the, the best positioning there, uh, outfield wise then versus lefties JP leading off once again, Julio hitting second. Then we have Harold Ramirez, uh, being bumped up to third because again, we, we mentioned his WRC plus against lefties this, this past year, 173 WRC plus. That's insane. We got Randy hitting cleanup. 
uh, Gino hitting five, uh, France hitting six, Kelnick hitting seventh. Uh, we got Tom Murphy hitting eighth instead of uh, right-handed Cal Raleigh, and uh, Crenworth hitting nine to to round out our lineup with a primary bench of Tom Murphy, Josh Rojas, Seth Brown, and Dylan Moore. Uh, yeah, Dom Canzone didn't make the cut for us in terms of the 26-man roster. We didn't see enough this year that made us feel comfortable whatsoever doing that, handing him a uh, a spot on the 26-man roster. So he's going to have to earn it in uh, in our eyes. Then uh, we um, we turn our attention here to the pitching staff. We are going to, just for the sake of the exercise, project a six-man rotation, but we'll see how it plays out in real life. But we're going to project a six-man rotation just for the sake of the exercise with Luis Castillo, George Kirby, Logan Gilbert, Shota Imanaga, Brian Wu, and Marco Gonzalez. And, uh, you know, hoping that maybe the presence of Marco will allow them to uh, manage Brian Wu's innings a little bit more. Maybe they do something different there. Maybe Marco more so spot starts and kind of works out of the bullpen a little bit, but whatever. Uh, Bullpen, Isaiah Campbell, Taylor Saucedo, Gabe Spire, Justin Topa, Robert Stevenson, Andres Munoz, and Matt Brash. That is a nice bullpen. That is a really nice bullpen. With Perlando Baroa knocking on the door, trying to push out probably Saucedo, maybe Campbell, maybe Topa. Like, nope. So yeah, um, there it is. Uh, I think our projected payroll, we added this all up, was still under $200 million. I think it was around $190. Um, uh, it is so, for a 40-man roster, 185.9 mil. Yeah, not even pushing anywhere near the luxury tax. Um, so uh, it's reasonable in terms of money. I think you know the players that we targeted are reasonable. A couple things I'd like to do more. Sure, I'd, I'd like to add, you know, a, a swing guy in the bullpen and the rotation, like uh, a Kenta Maeda or a Seth Lugo or Nick mm-hmm. Martinez. But whatever, you don't always get to do everything you want in an off season or an off season plan. So uh, overall, I'm I'm pretty happy with it. I, I think that team right there that we just laid out, I think that's a 90 win team, uh, or sorry, 95 win team on paper at least. I think that's a team that could legitimately win the division. Uh, it's a team that kept most of its top prospects. So if you have to go out and get something this summer, you can still do that, yep. um, which I, to me is a big one. Uh, there's upside. There's Again, there's those tranches where it's like, hey, if Gino Suarez struggles, what are you going to do? Well, we have Josh Rojas. We have Cronenworth. If, you know, if Ty France struggles, what are you going to do? We have Seth Brown. We have Cronenworth. What if, you know, what if Cronenworth doesn't revert back to his? Well, he's still going to play a lot, but we have Dylan Moore, we have Ryan Bliss, like, mm-hmm. and we have, we have Austin Rojas. Shenton. We ha- yep, and we have Austin Shenton. So, yep. um, there's just lots of possibility. What if Jared Kelnick struggles again? Okay, well, then we might have to go out and get a guy. But in the meantime, we have Harold Ramirez who could play the outfield. We have Dylan Moore who could play the outfield. We have Seth Brown who could play the outfield. So, um, it's just all about you know giving yourself multiple chances to protect yourself if and when something goes wrong um so yeah i I feel like we've raised the floor uh and the ceiling uh, at the same time and and you know it's bummer we have to say goodbye to bryce miller and and gabriel gonzalez and jonathan Classe, like aiden smith like those are fun players legit some are legit big leaguers right now and some are you know carry that kind of ceiling but uh it's what you do you know this is the cost of, of being a world series contender you have to give up good players sometimes to get better ones that help you right now. You're going to lose some trades along the way too, but it's all about 2024. It's all about 2025. That is the window you should care about right now within reason. And I don't feel like anything we did shorten the Mariners window 
in the slightest either. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. to me, it's a well-balanced plan. Again, how realistic is it? I don't know. Is it something the Mariners are going to do? Probably not. Mm -hmm. But I like it. It's balanced. It raises the floor and the ceiling at the same time. Uh, we've created all these layers of, of you know, uh, protection against slumping or injuries. And we still managed to keep our entire top five uh, of prospects. Uh, and we have plenty of ammo to go out and address needs in July and again next winter as well. So mm -hmm. uh, I, I like the plan. I think it's I think it's well balanced, I would say. Two things. One, chills. We did it again. Two, hire us, Jerry. Question of the day for you guys down in the comments below. Very simple. How many wins is, uh, or how many games is uh, that roster that we just laid out to you winning in 2024? Let us know down mm -hmm. in the comments below. All right. That's going to do it for our show. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Lockdown Mariners podcast. For Colby Patnode, I'm Tidding Gonzalez. Be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners. You can follow me at Dane Gonzalez, that's D-A-N-E-G-N-Z-L-Z, -E -E, and Colby at CPAT11, that's C-P-A-T-1-1. You can also find all that stuff in the description of this episode, and thank you again for making us your first listen. Have yourself a beautiful baseball day, and we'll see you next time. Peace.